Highway 1, The Hits. Welcome to Learning English, a daily 30-minute program from the Voice of America. I'm Ashley Thompson. And I'm Dan Novak. This program is designed for English learners, so we speak a little slower and we use words and phrases especially written for people learning English. Today on the program, Dan Friedel tells us about the rise in carbon dioxide gas produced worldwide last year. Later, Faith Perlow and Jill Robbins present a new Everyday Grammar report. We close with the next part of our U.S. history series. But first, here is Dan Friedel. An international group based in Paris says the world produced a record amount of carbon dioxide last year. The International Energy Agency, IEA, said Thursday that the amount of carbon dioxide gas produced around the world rose by 0.9% in 2022. Burning fossil fuels, such as oil, natural gas, and coal, releases carbon dioxide. The gas is also produced by life on Earth, and plants use it to grow. Scientists believe carbon dioxide traps heat and increases the world's temperature. Some experts say high temperatures can cause bad weather events, such as a lack of rain and storms. Climate scientists are concerned about the IEA report. They say people around the world must cut carbon emissions to reduce the world's temperature. Rob Jackson is a professor of Earth System Science at Stanford University. Any emissions growth, even 1%, is a failure, he said, adding that even keeping emissions the same year to year is a problem. It's cuts or chaos for the planet. Any year with higher coal emissions is a bad year for our health and for the earth, he said. Increased use of coal for energy has caused some of the emissions growth. Many countries switched from natural gas to coal as gas prices rose in 2022. Natural gas became more costly as many nations stopped buying gas from Russia because of the country's invasion of Ukraine. Emissions from oil also went up, but were lower than the years before the COVID-19 pandemic. Much of the increase came as people returned to airplane travel after staying home for much of 2020 and 2021. While 2022 set a record, experts said the amount of carbon dioxide was lower than expected. They said pandemic restrictions in China, the increase in electric vehicles, solar power, and new heating systems prevented emissions from rising higher. Fatih Birol is IEA's executive director. 
Birol said, without clean energy, the growth in carbon dioxide emissions would have been nearly three times as high. Birol said the use of fossil fuels is still too high, and oil companies are making a lot of money. The fossil fuel companies, Birol said, need to take their share of responsibility in line with their pledges to meet climate goals. John Sturman leads the Sloan Sustainability Initiative at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He said it is still possible to reach climate goals. He said countries around the world must stop cutting down trees, continue to help people buy electric cars, and pay for new home heating systems. He argued that renewable energy needs government payments to support it, and businesses that produce carbon dioxide should face increased costs. He called it a massive, massive undertaking. I'm Dan Friedel. Some of you have written to us in recent weeks, asking us about writing and sharing poems. When I was a teacher at a university, I taught my ESL students creative writing. We spent time learning to use parts of speech to write poems. In today's Everyday Grammar, we will look at two different kinds of poems that can be easily written using several parts of speech, the syncane and a diamante poem or diamond poem. Let's start with the syncane. The syncane poem gets its name from the number five in the French language, or sync. It has five lines. One form of a syncane uses parts of speech, like nouns, verbs, adjectives, and adverbs. Let's look at the structure of a syncane. The first line is the subject. Keep this to one word. Use a noun. The second line is two adjectives that describe the subject. Line three includes three action words. These can be either verbs or the ing form of verbs called gerunds. Line four uses four words that describe the subject. This line often brings attention to the mood or emotion of the poem. This can be a simple phrase or group of words expressing a thought. And lastly, line five is one word that again reflects the subject of the poem in the first line. This can be a synonym or another word that has the same meaning as the subject. 
Let's look at an example. Spring, warmer, brighter. Planting, watering, blooming. Sweet smell of flowers. Gardens. Now let's look at a similar poem using parts of speech. The Diamante poem or Diamond poem is a seven-line poem. It is shaped like a diamond. Let's look at the structure. The first line is only one noun. Line two has two adjectives. The third line has three verbs. Line four has four nouns. The fifth line is like the third line and has three verbs. The sixth line has two adjectives like the second line. The seventh line is a one-word noun. Here again is a description of the shape, the line structure, and the parts of speech. Line one. Noun, line two, adjective, adjective, line three, verb, 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 line four, noun, 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 line five, verb, 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 line six, adjective, adjective, line seven, noun, a diamante poem. Can either express synonyms with the first and last lines describing similar ideas, or the poem can change to show the opposite meaning of the subject. The first and last lines would then be antonyms or opposites. The second half of the poem could even explore something with similarities to the subject, but with important differences. Let's look at an example of each. Synonym: cat, small, cute, sleeping, running, climbing, toys, trees, birds, food, jumping, meowing, cuddling, fluffy, curious, feline. Antonym: fruit. Juicy, sweet, growing, ripening, picking, apples, berries, tomatoes, eggplant, eating, cooking, pickling, healthy, savory, vegetables. In the last poem, fruit and vegetables are different. In the fourth line, the poem changed from describing fruit. To describing vegetables, tomatoes and eggplant are often thought of as vegetables in the United States, but scientifically they are fruit. Line four shows a change from the subject of the first part of the poem to the new subject in the second half, connecting the two in only a few words. Today we looked at ways we can use parts of speech to create two kinds of poems: the syncane poem 
and the diamond poem. The Sincane poem has five lines. Lines two through five expand on the subject of the poem, which is the first line. The diamond-shaped poem has seven lines, containing four parts of speech. This poem structure can be like a sincane, with synonyms of the first and last lines, or antonyms can be used to create a contrast, or to show a difference in the poem. Now it's your turn. Create a sincane or diamond poem. Of your own, try to choose a simple subject, something that you know well. You have the structure. Just think about describing your subjects with different parts of speech. Send your poems to learningenglish at voanews.com, or share your poems in the comments below. I'm Faith Perlow. And I'm Jill Robbins. heard Faith Perlow and Jill Robbins present this week's Everyday Grammar Report. Faith joins me now to talk more about the lesson. Hi, Faith. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ashley. This week, you wrote about how English learners can write poetry using parts of speech. You also noted that you taught English learners creative writing in the past. How can English learners benefit from reading and writing poetry? This is a great question. I think it's important to have students find their voices in English to connect their emotions to the new language they're learning. That is my main goal when I introduce writing poetry to students. It obviously helps with their writing skills and even reading. But personalizing their writing and getting creative with it is the main goal. So, are there some kinds of poems that are better for English language students to learn? Yes, poems with a structure are a great way to get into writing poetry. Poems like the Sincane or even Haiku, they can focus on their voices, their feelings, and the content. But have a supportive structure to guide them. They can use new vocabulary they've learned, or connect the poem to themselves or something they're learning about, like nature or science. And I bet writing poems can be good for all levels of English learners, right? A beginner can use the parts of speech with a sincane. Yes, and advanced learners can use syllables, or start writing free verse poetry without any structure. The possibilities are endless. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts today on poetry and language learning, Faith, and thanks again for being here.
Thanks for having me back on the show, Ashley. VOA Learning English has launched a new program for children. It is called Let's Learn English with Anna. The new course aims to teach children American English through asking and answering questions and experiencing fun situations. For more information, visit our website, learningenglish.voanews.com. Welcome to the Making of a Nation, American History in VOA Special English. Theodore Roosevelt was President of the United States during the early years of the 20th century. He was a forceful leader. His national policies led to social reforms and federal protection of nature. His foreign policy led to greater American involvement in world events. Kay Gallant and Harry Monroe continue the story of the presidency of Theodore Roosevelt. In 1903, Panama declared its independence from Colombia. Fifteen days later, Panama and the United States signed a treaty. The treaty gave the United States the right to build a canal across Panama. To protect the canal, President Roosevelt declared greater responsibility for a wide area around the canal. The greatest responsibility was financial. Roosevelt said the United States would guarantee repayment of loans. Made to Latin American countries, he did this to prevent European countries from using the issue of non-payment as an excuse to seize new territory in the Western Hemisphere. Some Latin American nations were in serious economic trouble. Venezuela was one. At that time, Venezuela owed millions of dollars. To Britain and Germany, the Venezuelan ruler refused to make payments on the loans. Britain and Germany decided to use force to get the money. Their ships began blocking Venezuela's ports. When they began shelling coastal areas, President Roosevelt intervened. He urged them. To let the International Court of Arbitration at the Hague settle the dispute, they agreed, and the blockade of Venezuela ended. Less than two years later, a similar financial problem arose in the Dominican Republic. Revolutions and dictatorships there prevented repayment of foreign loans. The United States. Offered a solution, it would take over collection of import taxes at ports in the Dominican Republic. Forty-five percent of the money would be paid to the Dominican government; the other fifty-five percent would be used to repay loans. The Dominican Republic agreed. 
the plan succeeded. Some countries in Latin America and the Caribbean questioned the right of the United States to act as policemen for the Western Hemisphere, but none openly opposed President Roosevelt's policy. Theodore Roosevelt had become president after the assassination of President William McKinley. He completed the last three years of McKinley's term. Then he was ready to be elected in his own right. Republican Party leaders, however, were not so sure. Roosevelt had made businessmen angry because of his attempts to control big companies. But he made voters happy because of his fight for social reforms. Roosevelt's only serious competitor for the nomination was a long-time senator and presidential advisor. But the man died before the nominating convention. So Roosevelt won the nomination easily. The Democratic Party, in the past two elections, had nominated a progressive, Congressman William Jennings Bryan, as its candidate. This time, the Democrats chose a more conservative candidate. He was a New York judge, Alton Parker. Judge Parker had no chance to win the election. Theodore Roosevelt was the best-known man in America. He won easily. On Inauguration Day, Roosevelt made a short speech. He said America's capitalist economic system had done much good for the country, but it also had created a crisis in social relations, and the crisis had to be solved. If we fail, Roosevelt said, the cause of self-government throughout the world will suffer greatly. During his new term in office, President Roosevelt was able to get Congress to approve two major new laws. One was the Hepburn Act. This law gave the Interstate Commerce Commission power to limit how much railroads could charge for transporting goods. The purpose was to keep the cost of railroad transportation reasonable. The other new law was the Pure Food and Drug Act. This law declared it illegal to make or sell foods and medicines containing harmful chemicals. The purpose was to protect the health of all Americans. President Roosevelt's most important foreign policy success came as a result of a war between Russia and Japan. At that time, Russia occupied Manchuria in northern China. Japan occupied Korea. Japan wanted control of Manchuria. It needed that area's coal and iron ore. Japan also wanted to end any Russian threat to Korea. So it decided to fight. Japan's navy easily defeated all the Russian fleets sent to the Pacific. 
but the two sides continued to fight on land. When both began to run out of money, they accepted President Roosevelt's offer to make peace. Roosevelt invited Japanese and Russian diplomats to meet with him in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He told them his greatest hope and prayer was for them to find a just and lasting peace quickly. A quick settlement, however, was not easy. Japan demanded $600 million for war damages. It also wanted Sakhalin Island. Russia rejected both demands. It had agreed to give up southern Manchuria. Russia would give up nothing else. Negotiations lasted many days. President Roosevelt became more and more angry when neither side would compromise. But he remained calm and kept the talks going. Later, he said, What I really wanted to do was give an angry shout, jump up, and knock their heads together. Finally, Roosevelt made a secret appeal to the Emperor of Japan. He asked the Emperor to drop demands for money and for Sakhalin Island. He warned that Russia was ready to fight again if the peace talks failed. The Emperor agreed to drop the demand for money, but he still demanded half of Sakhalin Island. Russia agreed to this compromise. The two sides signed a peace treaty. Theodore Roosevelt received the Nobel Peace Prize for negotiating an end to the Russian-Japanese War. However, his efforts were denounced in Japan. Roosevelt was held responsible for the loss of war damage payments. It was money Japan needed badly. Anti-American riots broke out in some parts of the country. At the same time, tense relations developed between American citizens and Japanese immigrants in California. Poor Japanese immigrants were willing to work for low pay. As a result, Americans lost jobs. They protested. Then, school officials in San Francisco barred Japanese children from attending school with white children. President Roosevelt opposed the decision. He asked the officials to lift the ban. In exchange, he agreed to ask Japan to stop its poor farmers and laborers from going to live in America. Japan said it would. The understanding became known as the Gentleman's Agreement. Roosevelt worked hard to improve America's relations with Japan, yet he made clear that the United States would defend its interests in Asia and the Pacific. As a warning, he sent a naval force on a voyage around the world. The force included 16 battleships and 12,000 men. It was called 
the Great White Fleet. The voyage lasted fourteen months. The fleet sailed down the Atlantic coast of South America. It went around the bottom of South America into the Pacific Ocean, then on to Hawaii, Australia, and Japan. Surprisingly, it received its warmest welcome in Japan. An American reporter said, "The fleet made a deep and far-reaching impression. It caused the Japanese to understand the great power of the United States, as nothing else could possibly have done." President Roosevelt believed this show of American strength prevented war with Japan. Sending out the fleet, he said, was the most important thing I did for peace. Theodore Roosevelt greatly enjoyed playing the part of peacemaker. After successfully ending the war between Russia and Japan, he was asked to settle another international dispute. At issue was control over Morocco. And that's our program for today. Join us again tomorrow to keep learning English through stories from around the world. I'm Ashley Thompson, and I'm Dan Novak. 